Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast to digitallydownloaded.net. My name is Alan. I'm your new host this week. Along me, along me, along with me is the good old editor, the good old man himself, Matt Sainsbury. Hello, Matt. Hello. Elden Scrolls has fried your brain, hasn't it? Yeah, look, it's... I spent an hour today running around in a bush, and I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Trent here. Hello, Trent. Hello. I haven't played Elder Scrolls, and it's good to be along you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Elder Scrolls, is it? Elden Scrolls. Elden Scrolls. Is that like a collaboration with Bethesda? Because that would be pretty unholy. See, what worries me is the idea that at some point we're going to end up in a situation where every single game is going to merge into one name, except for the weird named games. And I'm just going to have to like try and pass through internet meme culture to understand which game we're actually talking about. <laughs> we're talking that worries about Breath me. of the Wild, but old timey. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's Elden of the Ring. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like blip blop 76 question marks, exclamation mark, whatever. And and born in a zoo. And that's gonna, <laughs> it's and the that's subtitle. Gonna, that's going to be a fighting game, and then it's also going to be just game. Everything else is just going to be called game. Oh, it's going to be like uh, like death under the life in the birth XD seventy four. Yeah, but you play that. I would play that. I think we'd all play that. <laughs> game is don't, game know, don't even the know what the articles say. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to know. Game of year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll play George R. R. Martin's bloody around the scenario for that one, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to that. We will definitely talk, talk yeah, about We're going to talk about... Yeah, that'll, that'll pop up. <laughs> a couple of times zero there. But first, we'll have some music, and then we'll talk about the games that are coming out next month, or this month. Absolutely. Yeah.
and welcome back. All right, it's a big month. Right away, there's a whole bunch of really, really important sort of first-party Sony games coming out, which I'm very, very excited for. Um, Matt, do you have the list? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do the he list. He has the list. It's going to be a big list, so let's run through it as quickly as we can. Starting with, with a PlayStation E5 thingy, the one that's finally starting to get some games coming, which is cool. We actually have yeah. reason to turn the bloody thing on, which is amazing. It's only been two years where it's been sitting there. Anyway, uh, on March 1, Elex 2. So Elex 2 is a big open world RPG thing. It's Euro trash in the finest sense of the words. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's massive. It's buggy as all hell. And it's going to be absolutely slaughtered by Elden Scrolls, Elden Ring and uh, everything else that's coming out. But if you do like your Euro yank, then there you go, Elex 2. It's, it's there. It's coming out on March 1. Then on March 3, we've got Babylon's Fall, which is Platinum Games. Everyone's forgotten about that game. I don't know why. But Wait, what? Uh, yeah, Babylon's Fall, Platinum Games and Square Enix. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> I need to go See? look this. <laughs> See, I told you. It's, it's like this kind of live service RPG, but because it's Platinum Games, then it's interesting, but nobody knows it's coming out. It's coming out on March 3. Uh, then we've got on March 4, Gran Turismo 7, the Vroom Vroom game. Sony's Vroom Vroom game. Um, Sorry, I need to just pause you there. What the hell is this game? Why has it not been marketed? <laughs> yeah, it's going it's gonna, to it's gonna die, but it does look yeah. interesting. It does look interesting. I'm keen on playing it. Very keen. Um, I, I don't understand. I've not seen this ever before. <laughs> Vroom Vrooms are like sports games. They've got their, you know, market. They've got their people no, who buy Vroom Vrooms. Alan, Alan was fascinated about Babylon 4. This game that didn't... This looks like a game that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, dead set. This does not exist in the real world. I'm really sorry. I've derailed. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, Grand Turismo. Vroom. Uh, Grand like Turismo. Vroom Vroom. Yes, yeah, Sony Vroom Vroom Vroom. We can't talk about it just yet because embargoes and all that kind of... Can, I, can but... I speculate on how I think it might be? You can speculate on how you think. It I might think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal because holy balls, the trailers make me very excited, and they're going back to the old Gran Turismo formula rather than doing the sports stuff, which was not really a Gran Turismo sort of game. It was kind of just a racing game. I want a car PG. That is a car PG. It looks like a car PG. <laughs> they have the same menu as Gran Turismo Four. I'm excited beyond belief. I can't wait to vroom. Yeah. Well, I can't really talk about it as because of my yeah, you're not allowed to. But I can confirm that it is. Gran Turismo, rather than esports. It is a Gran Turismo yeah. game. That's the most exciting thing you could have said. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, because otherwise we'll get in trouble with... Embargo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I really want to talk about it, but I can't, and I'm resisting and trying very hard not to. Uh, on March 8, WWE TK22. There you go. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the bugs. I love the bugs with WWE. Every year, they just It's get not worse. made by Ukes, though, is it? Isn't it? It's not a oh, UK game, a no. Pity. If it's not going to be a UK yeah. game, I'm not interested. Moving on. Because they um they got out, and that's why the last one was such a disaster. Uh, whatever then. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're playing Dead by Daylight, there's a DLC that's actually quite interesting. Uh, I I don't play it, but I do watch it on YouTube because it amuses me. Um, Sadako is coming to Dead by Daylight, the ring monster thingy. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Um, that comes out on March eight. The people are still playing yeah. that, and there are still a lot of people to do. Then we've got, uh, oh, yes, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok. That comes Does out on March care? 10. Does no, anyone really. care? 
not really, especially since it's an open world game that comes after Elden Ring. So that's kind of, it's, it's ruined itself. But there you go. More Assassin's Creed if you're into your Assassin's Creed. Tell you what I did get. I did get that um, Assassin's Creed 2 collection on Switch. I haven't dug into it yet, but I'm quite keen. Remember when Assassin's Creed was good? No. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Syndicate. Best Assassin's Creed game is Syndicate. Okay, I like, Syndicate with I the PS4 like the... and it, I broke it instantly. Like I climbed into the skybox. It took like two seconds to break the game. It was, I was so upset. Well, Assassin's Creed 2 is good. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. Uh, the little bit and pieces I've played. Um, the like the two minutes I've played on Switch. But I have fun memories of Assassin's Creed 2. Moving on. Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin comes out on March 15th, and I cannot wait for this game. That game is going to get fucking slaughtered. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. It is going to be absolutely ripped on by everybody, but nobody's going to get to the fact that it's just taking the piss out of everything. And I love it. I I just love that this game is going to just piss off the Final Fantasy fanboys and the Dark Souls fanboys. And it's going to, yeah, it's it's going to be talked about. I can't wait. I saw someone on Twitter describe it as the limp biscuit of Final Fantasy, and I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like, if that's meant to put me off, then you failed. <laughs> the, dude, the dude has a pod, an iPod. Like, he's got, like, a music thing, and he's just like... He's here to kill chaos, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> he just randomly... He really on the hates tunes. chaos. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, what a game. Yeah. So moving on, we've got, this game looks interesting, mostly because <laughs> the the icon is interesting me. Anno Mutatonum is a neon-covered 2D meets 3D cyberpunk thing. And I'm still waiting for a good cyberpunk, because <laughs> cyberpunk wasn't it. Uh, and I'd, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll give we it talk a about that later. <laughs> <laughs> We, we might. Speaking of Cyberpunk, there's also Ghostwire Tokyo coming out on March 22. Now, I have seen I have seen this thing in preview. I had an extended media preview of it, and I really like the concept of it. Really, really like the concept of it. But I'm very worried that it's going to be Bethesda the game, but in Neon yeah. Tokyo, which, yeah, I, I don't know about that. Again, <laughs> Elden Ring's ruined me, but El- Elden Ring was just um, so different and interesting and it's good the thing is that it's good <laughs> the, the, the gameplay meets the themes and all that kind of stuff and i'm just worried that ghostwire tokyo is uh, is going to be a game rather than what it could be but anyway I'll, I'll i'll definitely give it a go i'll definitely give it a go moving on we've got i'm just scrolling here oh Crusader Kings 3 console edition comes out on March 29 on PlayStation. I'm going to play that. I've yeah, that's a fun yeah. game. I, I, I like uh, Paradox strategy games. Like I like them a lot, but I don't spend too much time playing games on PC unless I absolutely have to. And if Crusader Kings 3 is on console, I don't have to anymore. So that's good for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good game. Uh, I tried it and I did like a campaign, like a, a practice campaign sort of thing. And I had a great time. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, on March 29, Ikai comes out. And Ikai is a first-person psychological horror game drawing inspiration from Japanese folklore. So on that premise alone, I've never heard about this game until I just read oh, well, about it. But that's I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sign me up. It's got yokai and stuff. It's a horror game with yokai. So 
Yeah. I'm, I'm I was about to say, the name made me think Ikai, Yokai, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't even seen the screenshot. All this the thing is like a little icon with the name Ikai on it. The, the description is just, yep, I'm there. There we go. There's another game onto the pile that I'm going to have to play. Uh, and then it is April, but it is April 1, so we'll mention it here on the podcast. MLB The Show 22 comes out as well. So Sony has a third one coming in near um, in near proximity to one another. So Horizon late last month and then Gran Turismo and then MLB The Show. Definitely keen on Nerd. that too. So many big games from Sony this month. Yeah, it's crazy. They're, they're having a big one. So there we go. That is the PlayStation 5. Let's have a quick look at PlayStation 4 and see if there's anything additional. Yes, there is. Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous comes out on March 1. Now, Pathfinder happens to be very, very good. If you like your Baldur's Gate and have 200-odd hours spare, then um, Pathfinder's it. And... That happened to me, be me, except for the 200 hours spare bit. But I'm going to have to play it anyway because I have a fierce loyalty to Baldur's Gate, and that is the kind of spiritual sequel to them where Baldur's Gate 3 failed big time. My hot well, take is that those games are impenetrable to everyone who did not grow up with them. Yep, definitely. Absolutely. And they're happy to be that. That's the other thing I love about it. It's like, we don't care if you. It, it's not for you. This is definitely for the old dudes that uh, that have fond memories about his gate and yeah so everybody else can screw off and that's fine i quite appreciate and admire that on march one as well shadow warrior three comes out and <laughs> that's gonna be fun that's a real uh, game yeah that's gonna be fun the last two are they're crass they're really really crass but they're fun they're they're the kind of fun shooters that i like it's a, it's a bit like serious sam i just enjoy the shooters that are very not serious and um yeah shadow warrior 3 will be that uh babylon 4 does come out as well on playstation 4 so if you haven't got a ps5 you can play the game that nobody knows about <laughs> despite being platinum games and screwing it it literally like my <laughs> i'm not even joking like i've never heard of this game and it seems like something that's up my alley it's just so confusing to me it's confronting honestly more than anything else uh, on, uh, <laughs> on, on march 15 phantom breaker omnia and that is a 2d anime fighting game which is super well respected uh it it's kind of disappeared it, it's an older fighting game and it disappeared for a long time but it is back and i know people that are into their hardcore 2d fighting games will absolutely love this one so that's march 15 on March 15 as well, we've got The Cruel King and The Great Hero, which is the sequel of sorts to Blind Prince and Something Princess. They're a kind of fairy tale style 2D puzzle platformer series, which are also very, very good. The first one was anyway. So the second is definitely worth keeping an eye out for. We have another fighting game that I am definitely going to have to play. On March 17, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax comes out. It comes out again, or as it should be called, the ultimate suplex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the I best mean, name of a video game that they just like decided to not run with. This is this is just the same fighting game as the last one, right? Yeah, it's but, the exact same game. It's the port. Right, cool, but that's all I need, really. I'll play it. Yeah, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. I remember liking um, the original. Yeah, no, the the original was really good, really, really good. So that's why I'm keen on it. <laughs> Okay, 
So on March 25, there's a game coming out called AI Kiss 3 Cute. And get fucked. <laughs> Actually get fucked. That's stupid. No, Alan, you're going to love this. The description of it. <laughs> there is, this is the entire description of the game. Comes with acrylic keychain. <laughs> Jail. Just jail for people who make it. Jail. Is it an RPG? Is it like a visual novel? No, it's, novel? Gonna, it's gonna be a visual novel, but I just love how the only thing that they bothered to say is that it comes with an Achillic tree keychain. They know who's gonna like, buy actually, this. Just go to jail. <laughs> don't, do not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> they know who's gonna buy this and they just they don't need to bother to describe the game. They know exactly who's gonna buy it. Yeah, I'm gonna send really it. I'm gonna send Alan some screenshots. Please don't. <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> and um, that's it for PlayStation 4. So we are finally seeing that. Ending transition. on a high note. <laughs> we are seeing that transition from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5 now. So pretty much all the good stuff is getting a PS5 native release. And yeah, we're starting to see the, the, the console generation move, I guess, which is about bloody time. So let's have a look at the Switch, shall we? Let's see what's coming out on Switch. On March 2, there's a game called Zombie Rollers, Pinball Heroes. and Is that with a Z? Yeah. Oh, I hate it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, I'm keen on it because it's pinball. And I actually really loved the uh, the Pinball of the Dead game. Do you remember that one, Alan? Do you ever play that? No. Well, oh, it was I'm really good. 24, 25 now. Oh, God, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good fun. Um, I, I like zombies and pinball together, so I'm keen on that one. I think it's an RPG, the pinball game, anyway. Um, yeah. Then we've got uh, Alan's Game of the Month, for sure. Pretty Girls Breakers comes out on March 3. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Get that in my fucking Switch. I'm going to download it right now. <laughs> Pre-order. How did you know? How did you know that was what I wanted this entire time? God, I, I hate video games, dude. Ban them. Just actually ban video games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's one that I am actually interested in, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce this very well. Shiro no Kotoha. Shiro no Kotoha. Dark Reflections is a visual novel with a survival mystery story set in an inescapable private library. So, yeah, that sounds interesting to me. As somebody that quite escape likes mystery room, visual novels. Visual novel. Yeah, escape rooms and visual novels. That's a good combination for me. So there we go. Add that to the list. I don't know how, how I'm going to work through this list, but there it is. It's a big list. Ah, here there we go. So there. the first big one for the Switch comes out on March 4, and it is a big one. Triangle Strategy. Yay. Final oh, Fantasy I forgot tactics. about that entirely. Yeah, there we go. That's how busy it's been. This is... This is a premium game. Like this is top-notch stuff. I could talk Why about did I it. think that game was coming out next month? Like not March, but like April or May or something like that. Yeah, like I think pretty then. much. Every, I think pretty much everybody was just thinking it's going to release at some point down the track without actually thinking about the release date because there has been so much other stuff coming out. But yes, it is coming out on March four. It is very good. I can talk about it in kind of broad terms because of previews. But uh, obviously, I can't talk about the review that I'm writing. I am playing it. I do love it. I don't know if you are a fan of Final Fantasy Tactics, which you should be because it is a very good game, then you are going to love Triangle Strategy. Much. Can't wait for the snowball scene. Yes, to there be is going to be a snowball scene. 
<laughs> to be fair, like if you saw that game and you're like, oh, that looks like Final Fantasy Tactics, and you know that you like Final Fantasy Tactics, I don't think it's like a stretch to say that game's probably gonna be like up your alley extremely. Yes, you know? that's all the that's it's, all they've tried to do anyway. Like it's just it's, it's they've just made that. it. Yeah, they've just made it for people that like Final Fantasy Tactics, and that's well. Cool. I really hated the original demo. Like I couldn't click with it because it was like, here's a random scene from like ages later, or here's a random scene from like yeah. It just didn't like there was so much disconnect. I'm like, I'm not gonna play the original demo. And the yeah. prologue demo came out. I'm like, yes. And I sat down, I played it, and I, you know, I embraced the game and I love it. I can't wait. Yeah, for yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, having the narrative context definitely helps enjoy that game, which the original demo didn't really do. So I think that people will probably be turned around on it when they play it uh, on release. Uh, on March 10, there's a game coming out called Ash Walker's A Survival Journey, which. Okay seems interesting because it actually comes from the co-founder of don't nod um i don't know too much about this it's a survival journey through a harsh world without rules or judgment make your choice only your choice matters in the face of moral dilemmas so it's definitely like a game that the dude that invented life in strange would do once he broke away from the original company i think that's what it is and that's interesting that could be good it could be bad as well, but with uh, 34 possible endings, there could be, it could be interesting. That's what I'm saying. I oh, mean, here we go. Some of the more experimental uh, Don't Nod games were pretty interesting anyway, yeah. like Twin Mirror and Tell Me Lie. They 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 were, you know, pretty yeah. good. So yeah. yeah, I'd be down yeah. for it. So that's the new studio that the co-founders set up. And let's give him a chance, I say. On March 10. Here comes this this game I am like obscenely happy about existing. Chocobo GP. Yeah. It comes out on March 10. I am just it it just it makes me happy. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Firstly, because I love the original Chocobo racing. It was great. For PlayStation 1 era, uh, Kart Racer, it was great. And then it's Chocobo. It's so good. So happy. Chocobo is such a happy character. Anyway, that comes out on March 10th, and that's going to be a big thing for the Switch, for me, anyway. That is exclusive to Switch, too. In I was going to say, like, really? Yeah, Nintendo's publishing it. Like, it's a, it's a, a Square Enix wow. game, but Nintendo Nintendo must have bought, like, publishing rights or something for it. So it'll probably come out on PC at some point, but yeah. Okay, so on March 17, Gal Gun Double Piece comes out on Switch, which <laughs> Alan, somebody close, cover Alan's ears because he's not going to Again, just like, just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> not for me. If you like it, that's great. But... I hope I hope it has that like $120 DLC that didn't really do anything, which was just hilarious. Uh, with the, with what the was the DLC? Release. So this is, this is the game where you point your gun, which kind of a pheromones gun. You point the pheromones gun at the girl characters and um, <laughs> their, clothes, their clothes become see-through. Um, so this DLC was like 120 bucks and it just made the clothes slightly more see-through, but not, like, didn't really do anything. It wasn't really noticeable in, in play. So... Yeah, it was a it, it was a, just a, a stupid DLC that was thrown in as a joke, and I just wonder how many people bought it. I'm sure some people did, which too is many people. funny, which is just funny. And I hope they do that again with this one because that's a big part of the. It's it's a, it's a joke game, and yeah, it's it's fun. I enjoyed it. Um, we also have on March 18, 
Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass, which is... Let's go! Yeah, I'm in for that. 48 more courses, which is just an incredible number of these courses. And it's also free if you're an existing subscriber to the Switch online thing, which I am. So that's 48 courses for for nothing. There's no reason for them to make Mario Kart 9. There's literally no reason. Well, I think that's that's the thing. Like People were like, why aren't you making Mario Kart 9? We'll just keep making Mario Kart 8. It's a good game. It doesn't need a sequel. Uh, do this instead. That's fine. I'm all for that. 48 more courses. Literally, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they are making so much money off of that video game. There is yeah. simply no point. It's still on the bloody sales charts. Like, if yeah, it's still it's, selling... It sells better than most, like, AAA games. I know. It's it's still... If it's still selling, why why do a sequel? That's just... Yeah. Pointless. Um, on March broke. 22... I'm keen on this, okay? This this game. Tempest 4000 comes out. And That's the old Atari game, right? That is. And... I'm a little bit cautious about this because Atari is publishing this and Atari is just... Oh, it's probably going to be rubbish, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it, there's just this slight chance that it could work out. I think, at least it looks like... You remember that TXK game that was produced on the Vita and stuff? You might, might not Absolutely remember. Absolutely not. Yeah, I played so like four games on Vita and three of them Persona I think, 4. <laughs> it, I think it was the Downwell guy. I think it was him. But it, it, if it oh, wasn't hell him, yeah. If it wasn't him, it was another developer that was like really super indie uh, and kind of loved for those kind of old indie arcade style games. Anyway, so he created this game called TXK, I think it was called. And it was kind of a spiritual successor to Tempest. And it was all this kind of neon style enemies and this kind of, it was neon. It was just a very neon game. Uh, and he got sued into oblivion because Atari didn't like that um, he made this game that was so similar to, to Tempest. This, hey, Tempest 4, yeah, this Tempest 4000 looks like it could be like that game. And again, I don't like Atari by any means, but if they've somehow got him involved with it and made this game out of that, then that's cool. That could be a, a nice outcome. Anyway, I'll, I'll investigate the story behind Tempest 4000 more and do a review of it at some point. We also have Rune Factory 5 coming out on March 22, and that game is just wonderfully happy and charming and lovely. It's the Harvest Moon style farming mixed with dungeon crawling kind of combat and stuff, RPG mechanics, and it's it's a delight. It's very twee, Alan. I'll accept twee. it. Yeah, twee. At least it's not like a titty game, you know what I mean? No, it's not. It's not. It's a nice game. It's it's very. I wholesome. just want farming in my farming simulation game. I don't need bloody monsters coming out from the. Well, there is. You, you know, can play Story of Seasons, Trent. You can play Story of Seasons if you like that. But if you is like the, the new uh, one good, I can't yes. keep the pace. Yes. yes, the new one's very good. Um, but Rune Factory Five is lovely. It's just so wholesome. It's it's pleasant. You need some pleasant games, especially if you're still playing Elden Ring. You need a break. On. March 25, we have Kirby and the Forgotten Land. So this is Kirby. I keep forgetting that game exists and I love it. It's it's Kirby does The Last of Us, but is somehow both more horrific and better. Wait, he does Kirby eat a car. Yeah. He does eat a car and it, it is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. Fucking devour a car. <laughs> it's pretty great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I am. I, I'm going to enjoy this, I think. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. March 25. It'll be cute. Like, regardless of anything else, it'll be cute. It will. 
Oh, that's worth. That's all you. That's all you really need, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and then on March 29, Crystar comes out on Switch. I'm looking forward to that. That was a good game on PlayStation 4. It is the RPG in which crying is a core mechanic. Uh, it's by the same creator as Monarch, and uh, which Monarch released a couple of weeks ago, a week ago. And it is smart. This guy makes very smart games. They're very B kind of grade in terms of their production values, but they are smart, very, very smart. And this one is too. Uh, we also have Ikai coming out on Switch, which is great. Looking forward to that. I'll play it on Switch, I think. And then just as a quick note to finish things off, um, it does come out again in April, but I will mention it here because it's at the very start of April. MLB The Show is actually coming to Switch too. That's wild. Which is great. It is a Sony produced game, but I think MLB was like, <laughs> you want to keep the license, you're putting this on everything. And Sony was like, oh, okay, we'll do that. So yeah, <laughs> it is coming out on Switch. It did come out on Xbox last year. Last year's MLB didn't come out on Switch, but this time it is coming out on everything. And I think I'm going to go with a Switch version for myself. MLB on the go would be good. I have not really played an MLB game before. I've played like the one that was free on PlayStation Plus and had a great time with it because it just plays like a cricket game. And that was all I really needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they are very good. They are very, very good. They are probably off those kind of big American sport games. You're talking NHL and Madden and and uh, NBA. I, I, MLB is probably my favorite. It's the one that's the least exploitative. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yep. And it just... I think video games does better for, for baseball than some of the other sports. So it's it's a simpler sport, which means it's a little bit, um, it, it's easier for the developers. I don't want to say they're lazy or anything, but it, it is just easier for them to make a good baseball game than it is a good ice hockey game. And yeah, that consistently shows with the MLB show, uh, the show series. All right. So after all of that, God, that was a lot of games. Um, you get to pick one, Trent, one game. All the games. One I'm playing game. all of them. No, Let's one. Go. Let's go with, <laughs> I want to say Kirby, but that's probably yours. Let's go with um, um, Triangle Strategy. Let's play some Triangle Strategy. That you just want this. You, you, you're just keen to see if there's a snowball scene, isn't it? Yeah, there's going to be some snowball fights. There's going to be like a, a war is going to start because someone throws a snowball at the wrong king's daughter and it's going to erupt the whole land. You watch. Okay, so that is Tread's prediction for what's happening in Triangle Strategy. Fair, fair enough. Probably not far off the track there. I can't talk about it. Alan, one game. I predict in Gran Turismo 7, you're going to beat up Tokyo Man from Tokyo Drift. And it's gonna be sick. Yeah, and it's gonna be you, the best thing ever. You're yeah, a, you're a GT boy, aren't you, Alan? Yeah, I mean, I I did the fucking 24 hour race in GT4 because I was psycho. Did I was you really? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I left it on B spec overnight because I went to bed. Mum was like, "Why are you leaving the PS2?" And I was like, oh, "Gotta get around in the middle of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go around Nurburgring." <laughs> the nice. best bit was my dad backed me up and he was like, "Nah, but he has to finish it." <laughs> Did you win? <laughs> Absolutely not. B-Spec was not good in the PS2 era. Did not work. Okay. Yeah, great. Yeah. All right. And Matt, what are, you, what are you looking forward to? Chocobo GP. That's respect. 100%. 100%. I, I just, I love Chocobo so much. I, I actually have like eight Chocobo plushes that I've picked up every, 
every time I go to Japan, I end up picking up a new Chocobo plush. And yeah, big time fan of the character. So um, yeah, it, it just, it, it's so happy. And sometimes we need happy, especially if we're going to be in World War Three by the time that game comes out, which is quite possible. I'm really loving being in Europe right now, personally. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it, it is nice to be yeah. sent to the planet right now. <laughs> it literally just like not be involved in it at all, and you'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, which of course means no, we're going to get involved in it. that. He's going to open <laughs> his mouth. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We, we, we do have the unfortunate... Uh, political leadership that is going to open their mouths and there we go and then the great part is because we're going to an election this year no one wants change in the wartime so four more years of the liberal party yay well i mean the good the good news for me is i'm too old to be recruited or to be conscripted so that's a nice thing i swear to god if i'm pulled back into australia (laughs) i swear to god i will break someone's knees i've spent five years in university i'm not going to go get shot by some russian person i have too much debt <laughs> god damn it that was dark. that was such a dark yeah. turn for the end of this section let's go to some how music. good is gaming <laughs> <laughs> you can play all this in the new call of duty coming out this year <laughs> didn't they announce they were going to delay it i think they said they were... no maybe they didn't maybe i, I miss read something somewhere I, I haven't seen anything about a delay but lots of things change in the past few weeks so who knows yeah who knows they may well end up having to delay it i'm not sure people are going to want to play a call of duty game when there's an fuck actual it. war going on i feel so bad for the stalker devs well, because like fuck that's so grim right now yeah like oh yeah oh it's so bad well, you just, the game in general you, you, is horrendous you just know that somebody's going to be like yo why aren't you releasing they're going to have to not release it <laughs> Uh, and they're like, well, why have you delayed this game? You just know some people on Twitter are going to go have a go at them for it. You just know it because it's gamers. And then gamers are historically the most oppressed group. So like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> why aren't you releasing <laughs> this game in the middle of a war zone yet? That's what they're going to do because that's gamers. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go to some that. music and, and something happy. Let's, let's have some Chocobo music, Alan. I'm just going to play the Chocobo music from Final Fantasy 13 too. <laughs> no, no, that's not the heavy metal one, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, you're not playing that one. Uh-huh. No, I, I think you can play the play the theme song from Chocobo Mystery Dungeon. Yeah. All right.
and welcome back. So obviously, I don't think it's too much of a surprise to say to anyone, but the biggest release probably of the first six months of this year came out a couple of days ago when you're listening. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn, <laughs> the game from eight years ago. <laughs> can, can I just say, um, I almost feel sorry for, for those guys. Oh, almost. they've been dusted. <laughs> <laughs> they they come out with this massive game and then literally one week later, it's like, what, what was that game? We've forgotten about that game. Who cares so about that sad. game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's genuinely it, heartbreaking because like they obviously work really hard on it but like yeah and I obviously mean, i had my issues with it but i want them success i always want every video game to be success and to find its audience and yeah they just got they just got pummeled <laughs> they just got I, mean, absolutely I couldn't even pummeled. remember the title of the game i just remembered it was a horizon game so my joke yeah, it's, was it's forza horizon six <laughs> <laughs> yeah no nah, horizon um, well, new new horizons oh hell yeah yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, we've got Elden Ring. I mean, that's what we're dancing around here. Elden Ring is, I mean, I've just played three hours of it. It is phenomenal. It's really, really good. So, how many points have you in that time, Alan? So, I beat, I found a cat that was a mechanical thing and I hated it. Like, beat it. And then I found oh, a. Oh, that's down the, that, that's the one you're talking about, the one down the, the, in the hole. Cave? Yeah. 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 And there's a little, little goblin y boys who go, and they're dickheads. Um, and then I found a Bloodborne boss that just used the Orphan of Cause attacks. <laughs> and I did not like that because it reminded me of the Orphan of Cause. Um, and then I got stuck fighting a man with a tree in his head. I didn't <laughs> like him. So, yeah, I've made also the horrible, horrible decision of picking a class that does not suit me because I'm the sort of brain dead idiot who will say, I want the class with the big stick who goes thwack. And I did not pick the class with the big stick that goes thwack. I picked the speedy boy with two swords. And the speedy boy with two swords, not that fun to play because I don't like that he doesn't go thwack. So that's the end of my experience with Elden Ring. I'm never playing again. I'm refunding it right now. I hate the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it is really, really good though. Like it's astonishing. The fact that they pulled it off, like actually pulled it off is just, I'm well impressed. Yeah, because I was quite concerned about it. Uh, even after the okay. network test, um, I was still concerned about it because it did seem like in going open world, they were going to pick up some open world issues that I have with the genre. And um, I was waiting for like a million icons on my screen. Well, it wasn't so much that after the network test because I figured it was going to be pretty um, light on that stuff. But I was concerned that it was going to be just like huge empty expanses of nothingness which is what happens when you don't have a lot of icons in most open world games. And I was also very, very unhappy to see the, the crafting stuff in there because yeah, every game, <laughs> every game has crafting these days and I cannot stand the crafting system because it's just dumb. Like it's, especially after playing horizon, um, it was like, do I really want to go to this over this bush to get a whole bunch of more little sticks to create more arrows? Why can't I just pick up a bunch of arrows? Why can't you just put arrows yeah, down that's, as a loot drops? To steal that idea, I was watching a YouTube video the other day by a man by the name of Donkey, um, and he brought the fact that like a good game that has a crafting system does not make you wait to pick up crafting objects because that little animation that's like half a second, that's half a second every like five seconds. And that's a lot of time when you add it up over the course of a game. So, Well, it's just play... because they, they fill these bloody spaces with this stuff and yeah. you just end up button mashing everywhere. To, to get all the bits and pieces. I don't I, I do not want to be pressing a button to pick up five million bushels of berries 
just so I can make a new armor for some reason. I just want to buy the bloody armor just or yeah. pick it up as a loot thing. So I was worried about that from the network test. And I'm very happy to say that the full game just blew it's my really good. Yeah, yeah, blew my concerns away. Um it just falls into this really lovely rhythm and it actually makes use of the um it makes good use of the open world as well. Uh, it's kind of thematically appropriate to the game and what story they're telling and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it doesn't feel like an Ubisoft game where it's just an open world for the sake of putting an open world it's in It's set there. in Paris. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it's just this big space that they've thrown there just to make sure that you've got a big space to walk around. It it, it feels like they've very carefully designed this world to to say something, which is more like... <laughs> a Breath of the Wild, um, and I've never thought I'd be making Breath of the Wild comparison in a Elden Ring thing, but it, that's what it feels the, like. It, it feels even like the it's... opening of Elden Ring feels like Breath of the Wild, like when you're going out the elevator. It feels like <laughs> Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. It's uh. So it's basically what we were chatting about, like I think a few podcasts ago, we were talking about like you know Breath of the Wild and you know how it's you know thematically like it's taken things from past games it's just it's just the game which is doing it good at the moment so in terms of what this does for open world it's taken what breath of the wild you know influence from breath of the wild and then it's basically the breath the next breath of the wild in terms of how the open world works is that a good it's breath of the wild with combat that doesn't make me sad I think I think you're right. I think Trent, you're right that when people talk about open world games and point to the good examples of them, I do think that Elden Ring is going to be kind of the one people talk about now, rather than Breath of the Wild. Um, uh, they're they're yeah. obviously very very different games in, in pretty much every other way. It's just just purely the way one's that it's good and the other isn't. <laughs> even if you like Breath of the Wild, but um, no, I enjoy it. <laughs> What what I'm saying here is uh, it's one of those rare examples because I, I I think everybody who follows this podcast or has ever seen me on Twitter knows I'm not a fan of open world games as a rule of thumb. This is one of the very rare exceptions where I feel like it has a point. <laughs> There's a reason that it is an open world game and that's what I always look for with the genre and I very, very rarely get it. And this one does. So I'm very happy with the open world. I think it's gorgeous too. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah I was going to say that. Game. Like, I was getting really confused by people who were saying, "Oh, it looks like a PS2 game." Like, what are you talking about? Are you dumb? <laughs> I think I think that's the default response for just about everybody who's an idiot these days. It looks like a PS2 game. It absolutely does not. Uh, there are issues with even if, even if frame did... rates, which for a game like this is yeah. is a thing. <laughs> you, the last thing you want is for your frames to be dropping when you're in, in the middle of trying to dodge a big sweeping sword attack by some dude that's like three million meters tall. Um, and has a tree for a face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the last thing you want is a, a drop in frames. and But I'm sure they'll fix that. It's not enough to, to stop you from being able to play the game and finish the game anyway. It's just a mild irritant on the yeah, otherwise I mean, kind of impeccable presentation. Yeah. So, so as someone who hasn't played it yet, uh, and I haven't caught the thing, and... You know, the whole time, you know, there was a meme which was going around like a week ago. It's like basically saying, you know, this whole time I thought this was like some sort of Lord of the Rings thing. Like that's sort of where I am in terms of this whole game. Like I have no idea what this game is. Like things like Death Stranding, like coming up to that, it like seemed weird and crazy. But I was like, yeah, I'll let it, give it a go. And then I was like, okay, this is the best thing ever. But 
I haven't got that vibe with this game, and everyone's like, oh, it's got such a great open world. I'm like, yeah, it mechanically seems really, really awesome, and I'll probably like it from a wankery perspective of game design, but what else is there? Like, everyone's talking about it being, like, a, essentially Dark Souls or, or and the continuation of that sort of, like, style um, that From Software does, but that was never what I wanted in a game. So I don't know if there's no, this is not for you there for me. Yeah, no, this, 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 this is, is absolutely not for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you don't is... like Dark Souls, you are not going to like this game because it is just Dark Souls, but with a new, like, a new, I guess, medium of gaming. Well, I guess my issue with Dark Souls, and I haven't played Dark Souls, is because everyone's saying it's really hard. And I don't want a game which is basically grinding and bullshit. Look, Trent, to <laughs> it's not really grinding because <laughs> with these games, it doesn't matter how much you grind. If you don't play well, you're still going to get, still get your shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is challenging and it is that is always the point of these games. People play them because they are challenging. And I actually think that thematically, again, it makes sense that these things are challenging because you do play as this character that is dropped into a very hostile, kind of very dark world. And... You could say that they are in a dark world full of dark souls. Yes, but if you were ever comfortable while you were playing, then it would undermine the game. And the 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 easier a game is, the more comfortable you can be with it. And I I just don't think that that suits Dark Souls. So without getting into the the stupid discussion that happens every time, the one discussion that happens every year on Twitter. uh, Yeah, I I don't think I don't think that easy mode suits what From Software does with these games i think i think an easy mode probably would have worked to to sekiro to an extent because sekiro seemed like it was a more the difficulty wasn't the point of sekiro um whereas i feel like the difficulty is the point of these games it it lends atmosphere to to the the kind of the melancholic gothic setting that they've set and it it kind of drips with that atmosphere because you know if you go down this little tunnel <laughs> you think okay there might be a reason i should go down this tunnel but also i'm about to run into some feral boss with three million different arms and i, I just don't want to do that so yeah, yeah but i would simply rather not <laughs> but so so the bosses are essentially alpha pokemon if we're gonna compare this to like open world games like it, that that's how it works in terms of like a game right like i go down this path and i find like an alpha pokemon which is like a giant tree and it's like some sort of medieval thing and then i kill it is that basically yeah but instead of a instead of a tree it's it's a dude called like greg the destroyer and he's got a big nose yeah <laughs> yeah there's this kind of a, a a huge amount of lore behind each of these bosses so you'll see the name of the boss that you're fighting and at the time, you won't think too much about it because you're too busy trying to not be killed by the boss. But when you finally get through that battle, then you'll start to think, now, what did that name mean? And then you'll see references to that name down the track. And you'll slowly start to piece together the narrative, which is the thing that people love about these games. Uh, and there's a great story behind it that the producer, uh, Miyazaki, he, he loved reading as a kid, but he was not good at it. And he didn't have access to a huge number of books and stuff because his family was not a well-off family. So he used to read what he could and then fill the gaps in with the stuff that he couldn't. Um, and as a result, he has this, this kind of style now where he quite likes putting pieces of information into his games and then allowing players to let their imaginations run wild and 
for them to go around and, and piece together what's actually happening in this world and stuff. So I quite like that. Uh, I've always liked that storytelling style. I know there's a whole bunch of people that kind of roll their eyes at it now, but I do think that Elden Ring will restore some of that as well, because I think part of the reason people were getting burned out on all this stuff was because Dark Souls 2 and 3 were decent games, um, very good games even, but they, they, they didn't push things forward. And I think that's what Elden Ring does. It, it completely... This, this feels like a step from Dark Souls to Bloodborne. Well, for me, it feels like what happened when they went from Kingsfield, which is the stuff that happened before Dark Soul, uh, before the Souls games. Uh, it, it feels like this, the kind of step that they went from Kingsfield to Demon Souls. And to me, Elden's Ring is a Demon Souls game in that it just has this, this huge impact on me that it, it's given me a lot to think about. It's just something that I, I, I really found myself invested in. Rather than just a game to play, I really care about Elden Ring. Which is, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but again, to go back to the thing, sorry, the sorry, day. just to go back to yeah. the thing that you're saying about difficulty way earlier, Trent. Um, yeah. <laughs> just if you do happen to give this game a, a go, just summon people to help you out. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's in and the game. That, they made a that, thing for it. You, you can actually, and people are quite helpful in the game overall, and they enjoy beating down bosses for people that get stuck. So just do that and sit back and and let them do their thing, because honestly you you shouldn't hate the game that you're playing and if you do find yourself really struggling with it then that help system is there and i think people i think people feel like they have some kind of obligation to beat these bosses and stuff by themselves but don't <laughs> just just yeah if you ever find okay, yourself stuck so catch people throw people at pokemon <laughs> and get no, you just, there's a little summon thing that you, there's an item you can use and then it'll pull up everybody around that wants to be summoned into your game. You just summon them in and they go off and they'll gently kill the yeah, boss. So they're not in game them. people, they're like no, they're real stuff. People. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Real people. Okay. Yeah. So what I was going to say is I actually worked out in terms of From Software games, the only From Software game I've actually played is Lost Kingdoms 2. That was a great game. <laughs> Now, that was a great like game back Lost in the day. Kingdoms 2. <laughs> no, no, it's nothing like it. Um, I mean, I, I guess perhaps the, the atmosphere is vaguely similar, but uh, the, it's very different. Very, very different game. I mean, I, I would also just add on to this. I don't think Souls games are hard. But I, I don't think I don't think they're difficult though. I think they're just you just have to practice and they just gotta like learn shit. <laughs> and so many games nowadays are like designed that you get it on the first go that when there's a game that is like ah oh, not nah, try again a lot of people go huh you know what i mean like, I, I don't think that they're I, particularly difficult games i think okay, that they so require attention why, why why i do think they are difficult is because i um so when when you lose this is for trent's benefit when you when you get killed um in the game and it does happen quite a lot you drop all your souls which are the things that you collect or runes runes in this case you drop all your kind of currency and this currency is you, you get it from defeating enemies and then you use that currency to level up and buy items and it, it, everything you know it, it's kind of the fundamental currency of the game it's the experience system plus the gold and all that and you lose all of that when you die and you get one chance to get back to the spot where you died and if you do then you reclaim all of those runes if you don't if you get killed it again then they're gone for good now, for me, where the difficulty with these games come is not so much in the actual fight. It's the, the, the tension about trying to get back to those bloody souls. 
uh, or runes when you die. That yeah, sends come me on, into they're a very spin. different. Souls and runes, very different. <laughs> <laughs> that sends me into a spin, and that's that's where I find the games difficult because I become very anxious that I've just you know dumped a, a shitload of runes somewhere, and now I'm going to have to try and get back there. And what it, it kind of affects the way I play. Uh, I'm a very cautious player with these these Souls games. Um, I inch forward <laughs> bit by bit. And when I run into enemies, I always backtrack quite a bit so that if I do get killed, then I can I, I know I can get back to that spot. Um, and yeah, so it, that's I think that's where I find it challenging that I, I do feel quite tense when yeah. I need to get my runes yes. back. It's not so much the bosses because... Yeah, like that's what I mean. I guess mechanically it's not challenging. It's the atmosphere that's challenging. Yeah, and it's the same it. reason that like pathologic is challenging. It's not necessarily the mechanics of the game. It's more just the fact that you are not happy. Well, I mean, patho path pathologic is challenging because it's just so badly designed. Intentionally, and I love that. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's the best. It's just I such, love that game. <laughs> it's just such a. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's a game that wants to mess you up because you just can't play it. <laughs> it's great. I do like pathologic, uh, but yeah, give it a go, Trent. Yeah, this but, is also like probably the most user-friendly one so far, I'd say. Yeah, it is okay, also so user-friendly. Okay. <laughs> it it is it is quite accessible because one of the good things about this game and one of the benefits of it being open world or whatever is that you don't really get stuck. You used to get very stuck with um, with Dark Souls and whatever because you'd be on a pretty set pathway, and if you ran into a boss that you found challenging, then it would take you a while to work your way around that boss and or get the help you needed to defeat them and, and move on with elden ring if you find yourself challenged by a particular enemy you can always go off and explore and do something else and that's that's fine as well you might find a enemy that is a little bit easier for you you might find a kind of hit, completely optional dungeon to wander around and get some loot and give the boss again another go when you're feeling a, a bit refreshed so the the open world does make Elden Ring more accessible. I would also good. say as well, there's a there's a new mechanic where instead of just having the bonfires by themselves, you also have these extra bonfires which are just outside of the like the dangerous areas. So if you do die in like a little dungeony thing, like in the open world, it just spawns you right back at the start of it, and you can just go and fix it again. It's not it's not as punishing as I was expecting it to be. Yes. You know? Yes. It is it respects your time, but it is also out there to challenge you, which is good. And the the, the fast travel system's quite good too. It's um, literally just point and you go. <laughs> yeah, and you can always backtrack all the way to the very start of the game if you if you want to. Uh and yeah. just yeah, explore somewhere there and whatever. But uh yeah, it, it's a really good game and very thematically interesting. I'm still piecing together a lot of it myself i've played it so, so in terms of a story so you're saying that it was mainly told by like bits and pieces and like things like okay this is the monster's name okay um is is there some sort of is it just like battling things is there some sort of areas which are grounded like okay here's a little village or here's some people which yeah you have things. your like hub town area yeah yeah but I'm not going to yeah, explain but it. It's not. It's not what you <laughs> might be. It's not what you might be thinking, Trent. Where there's a village which has like a hundred people wandering around and you can talk to them all. Um, there's not that many people in, in Elden Ring uh, that aren't trying to kill you. 
what happens for the most part is you'll be wandering around and there'll be like one person there that you might bump into and then you can talk to them and they'll give you a little bit of information and, and then you can move on. So for the most part, that is the only non-violent interactions you have in this game. Um, but they're quite interesting and they're fun when you come up to them. They're interesting characters. Yeah, it's just well-made. It's just really, really good and I wasn't expecting it to be as well-made as it is, in all honesty. Because you have to remember, Trent, you're, the whole world of Elden Ring is this kind of blighted, cursed landscape kind of thing. So it's not, it's not like there are rest areas as, as such. The whole point is that yeah, you need but, to feel you know, like Maybe I like find like a little village and I'm like, okay, well, there's, it's like deserted, but then I like unblighted or whatever. And then it's suddenly like, you know, I can be like, hey, you over there, you're like a woods guy come over here and there he starts building some houses yeah, no, it doesn't do you that. just want terry town you literally just, yeah, I, just want terry. I want terry town in every single game i'm annoyed there was no terry town in pokemon like it would pokemon would have been perfect to be like okay let's start a new village in this region and you're like the founder and you start like collecting people from across the region and then you've got a new pokemon town like it would be so perfect you just want pokemon and Zelda breath of the wild <laughs> I, I, I want terry town in all my games all right, fair enough. It's yeah, not, not you're, not, you're not you're not going to get that in Elden Ring. <laughs> El, Elden you're going to get yelled at instantly. I mean, I I found my first dungeon and had a jump scare because I was so comfortable and just excited about exploring the game that I was not prepared for a classic FromSoft "Hey, gotcha" moment. Which so, dungeon was that? That was the dungeon with the cat boy, the robotic cat boy. Is that the one that's? It's full of like little gobliny lads who go, ak, 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 ak. yeah, yeah. Is that the one down the beach? Maybe. I don't know. I found it in a hole. There's like a Where cave in the beach. There was like some birds next to it, and there were some boys with some torches, and they were like going, ak. yeah, that might be the one. Because there's two, yeah. there's two kind of cavey dungeons at the start. Yeah, there's the first the, one is there's the, the one down the beach, born. and then there's the other one which has the wolves, and then the the bloodborne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the bloodborne <laughs> it's just one. Bloodborne. <laughs> Yeah, it's your, your literally just blood the, uh, the monsters doesn't help me thinking that it's not Lord of the Rings thing. I'm, I'm just expecting you to be like, you know, go, and then they're like, my precious, or something. It's not like, really, <laughs> it, it's very different to Lord of the Rings in the sense that it's not that, or it's not traditional enemies that you kind of run into. I mean, Alan's saying kind of goblin like things, and they are kind of vaguely, I guess, goblin like, but they're bricked up looking. <laughs> they're a very different kind of gothic enemy they're probably more like what you would imagine monsters from an expanded dracula might look like you know um yeah or a frankenstein you know if you took those kind of gothic traditions and turned those into to monsters or to turn those into pulp fiction where there was a lot of different monsters rather than just a vampire then that would be what elden ring is uh, the other thing that I really liked about Elden Ring actually was that, I mean, this is this is a Japanese kind of take on gothic fantasy. So there is that kind of quality to it. And I really like that Elden Ring doesn't seem to have George Martin involved in it meaningfully at all, which I, I really appreciated as well. I was worried that it was going to be like a George R.R. R. Martin style story there, but it isn't, which is great. I don't know what he did. Maybe just slapped his name on it. No, he did the um, scenario writing. Yeah, in theory, but I don't know how much of the actual scenario in there is his because it doesn't feel much like a George R. R. Martin scenario either. To me, oh, really? Either. No. 
feel like no one's talking about it. Like, it, it was like a huge thing when it was announced, but like, it's not really part of the game's discourse. Well, remember when when it. it was announced, everybody was watching Game of Thrones on TV and yeah. loving it and obsessed with George R. R. Martin. Uh, no, but nobody's that keen on George R. R. Martin anymore, in, in part because he can't be bothered writing that last book that we're still waiting on from the Game of Thrones series. To be series. fair, would you want to be bothered writing that book? No, there's no way he can finish it. I don't think he's ever going to write He's going to die and he's not going to be finish it. There's, there's just no way that you can wrap up everything that he's <laughs> thrown in the air in a, in a single book. So whoever's going to write the book posthumously, whoever gets stuck with that job is... The, the good luck. Sucker. Yeah, good luck with him. Literally good luck. There's no way he's going to write that book. It's just not going to happen. He can't do it. It's impossible. But yeah, buy Elden Ring. It's a good time. Have fun with it. We're going to play some Elden Ring music right now.
Welcome back, everybody. Okay, so for the last section of the podcast today, this week, this month... Why did you become Norwegian? <laughs> for the loosed. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to talk about spoilers. Um, so this topic came to mind because in the lead-up to the release of Elden Ring, because that is all we can all think about at the moment, um, <laughs> there was there was some talk about the launch trailer which they put out to promote the game and say hey look Elden Ring's out this week you should buy it and so on and so on you know as a trailer does and there were a bunch of people that seemed to be miffed by spoilers within the trailer and it struck me as a bit surreal really so I thought we'd talk about spoiler and spoiler culture in video games and the arts in general and it's because it is an interesting topic and it is one that has rankled me a bit in recent times and yeah it's it's a good one let's get Trent and Alan's thoughts on it and let's have a talk but no I think I've got the same opinion as you do <laughs> thing, I'm not worried this is gonna be a very interesting conversation on my end because I'm just gonna be like yeah it's dumb well let's, you know let's... exactly what the opinion is it all started with those bloody Marvel movies yes well the Marvel movies are certainly a really good example of this but to go back and just let's see if we can agree on this one first you can't spoil in a trailer right we, we all agree on this fundamentally it's a trailer yeah it, it's designed to show to stuff your off. attention yeah and <laughs> also it's made by the people that made the, the product so i'm pretty sure they'd know what is and isn't a spoiler in their own thing right like but yeah, that's but just Matt, no, basic logic no, right <laughs> yeah, but Matt, don't you understand that some movies are completely spoiled in a trailer and it's the whole movie in the trailer right to be fair, there are some movies that do that and you go to the movie and you're like, oh, I could have just watched the trailer. <laughs> Which is a little bit sad. And it's more of an indictment of the movie than the trailer, to be honest with you. Well, yes, because they put all the good stuff in the, the trailer and <laughs> the rest of the movie around Literally. sucks. Uh, <laughs> but... I mean, with more so video games, if like a 30-second trailer captures all that there is to know about like 20 to 40-hour games plus then there's something wrong with your video game. That story better yes. be bloody good. <laughs> that's, that's the gameplay better be bloody good. That's exactly it. And I think the the problem I have with the trailers is, or trailers, the spoilers, the problem I have with people and spoilers is these days it seems like every plot point, every character is a spoiler. So I went out and made a, a tweet about uh, the, <laughs> the, the trailers. That snarky tweet. <laughs> yeah, I did one. And somebody decided they were going to respond to me, which is never a good idea. And they they responded by saying, oh, I wish I hadn't seen the trailer for the Spider-Man movie because imagine how much better it would be if it wasn't spoiled that Dr. Oak was you know, in the movie. And I was like... Dr. Oak. <laughs> Dr. Oak. <laughs> Dr. Professor Oak. Yes. Um, was... Here's your Pokemon, Spider-Man. <laughs> but it's You like... and I ain't so different, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, how how is a character in the film a spoiler the, this I, I don't thing. think any of in those the extra of characters are like done in a spoiler way like knowing them really doesn't change the fact of like like for like spider-man in particular the direction of the film is ultimately these characters are out from the portal like that isn't a spoiler that is just the general plot point you are gonna have bad guys in the whole series seven or whatever it is you're gonna have spider-man it's like the, the spider-man's are not really a... <laughs> you 
know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're not really the spoilers. They're just the plot point. These yeah, things that's... are out from wherever. They're in the movie. That, that's the thing. It's like a character being in the movie isn't so much a spoiler. It's just a plot point. A spoiler is when people find out that Bruce Willis is actually dead. That, if you had to spoil that going into the movie, it would have changed your, your entire perception of the movie. Um, Patrick but... Swayze, also dead. <laughs> and that, was, that was in the... People no, knew that one. Matt. No, that's a spoiler, Matt. Come on. No, knew that the one. movie's called Ghost. It could be about anything. <laughs> Patrick Swayze dances. That's a spoiler. The only ghosts are our regrets. All around me are familiar faces. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I personally don't really give a shit, but that's just me being me. <laughs> I well, see, the, and that's kind of, that's the, the other thing about spoilers is every time there is a spoiler, it limits what you can actually talk about with the, the film or the game or the book or whatever and in some cases yes limiting what people can talk about is kind of the point again the bruce willis thing um the sixth sense limiting people's ability to talk about him being dead does it, it was important because not knowing that going into the film was the kind point. of the theme that is the, that was the, the core kind of concept of the film whereas I would even say that the whole Darth Vader is his dad thing isn't really that much of an issue on your overall enjoyment of the film. But talking about that is important because that was an important theme to talk about. And if you cover it with spoilers, you can't talk about it anymore. Therefore, your ability to talk about the film is quite inhibited. And it's the same with games. Um, the Horizon... Uh, one that came out what a week which ago. one the race one or the <laughs> the horizon zero not zero door zero door was forgotten west one. forgotten west so in the spoiler conditions with forgotten west Forgot the talking, forgotten west <laughs> we were told not to talk about this character which was the heart and soul of the game and like that was the literal words they used in the, the spoiler conditions and if we can't talk about the heart and soul of the game how are we talking about the game you know it becomes very difficult to have the artistic conversation about the work of art that we we just can't talk about it so what frustrates me as well I, I think i'm going to be very much on the same page as you i'm not interested in the actual like details of a story i'm interested in the actual progression of that story towards that detail yeah yeah because like, what's the point of knowing like oh yeah i know that darth vader is luke's dad but like i don't know who luke is i don't know who darth vader is i don't know why that's important i don't know why i should care because it's all good and nice to be like, oh, this is an important character, but I don't, I don't fucking care. <laughs> Give me a reason to care. Like how I like a good prologue. Like a good prologue, you know, it's about the emotion of the scene and the, the progression of building up the characters, introducing the themes. And if that good prologue is carried out throughout the story, it sucks you in. Yes, you can know the plot points. I say, for example, Golden Sun. I'll use Golden Sun, not Final Fantasy, as an example. Uh, say Golden Sun. Like, Golden Sun's great. If I just tell you that the game is about collecting these orbs, you're like lighting fires or whatever on the light the lighthouses and you're uniting the world because you broke it and alchemy but that's not really a spoiler that's just the general overarching plot point and there's a and you know i could tell you that there's various towns you go to there's like a forest village like that's irrelevant to the whole 
story or the emotion you feel when you're playing the game. So, like, the prologue in, like, you know, Golden Sun has that really good, you know, it's all dark and stormy and rainy, and then you sneak out and you fuck over the whole world. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're on a journey, and it's the journey of discovering things, like, for the first time, and then you're, like, meeting these characters, and then you're, like, slowly finding these cool lands. And, yeah, that that's more... Well, spoiler, I mean, I guess, than Golden, other things. Golden Sun, if people were going to talk about spoilers, for example, um, with Golden Sun, be they the would brother, have said, right? they, yeah, exactly. They would have said, oh, the, the, the brother um, is kind of not dead. Um, and you're on a quest to kind of chase him. If, but the, the whole point of the game is that. So if you can't talk about that particular scene, then your ability to talk about the point of Golden Sun is, is greatly reduced. And definitely publishers weaponize all this stuff. They, they absolutely do because they want you to talk about certain things. And to go back to Horizon, they wanted us to talk about the open world. They wanted us to talk about the combat system. They wanted us to talk about the boss battles because all of those things are objectively good. They're very hard to criticize within Horizon. But the story is the rest of horizon is boring as fuck the, the story is something you can very very much criticize so the best way to deal with that is just say oh you can't talk about the story you can't talk about these things that are important to talking about the story therefore your review is is impossible to substantiate because you can't point to these scenes or these characters or whatever they did exactly the same thing with the last of us too uh the story is something that is very easy to, to pull the apart. Point. There are issues with The Last of Us 2's story, but we were very much inhibited in terms of what we could talk about with that story because of a huge list of spoiler re restrictions. So publishers weaponize this stuff. And Marvel, you mentioned Marvel right at the start, Trent, Marvel do the same thing. They tell the critics they can't talk about this massive list of things with every single film. So what are you left to talk about? Oh, it's a big enjoyable film the characters are good the humor is funny you get that they, they use this stuff to try to write the reviews by being so restrictive in terms of what you can talk about that there's very little choice about what else you can actually write about and that is a huge issue with spoilers the the other issue is somehow they've got the gamers and the film audience on board with this like they 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 have everybody on board with rather than have insightful interesting and good quality reviews um they have them on board with reviews should be sycophantic to our commercial interests and i don't know how they did it all that they matters did it. is if a game clicks and plays well has good button mashing if it's anything different to that you're paid off by um wait you're not wait if it's a bad review you're not paid off but yeah it's it, you're like giving you're not i don't know what my point was but it needs to be good button bashing well that, that's what they want us to talk about and that's what they stick us with in terms of what we can actually talk about in these reviews you always know um a, a game that has confidence in it uh and we're going to talk about elden ring again i guess there were no spoiler restrictions with elden ring we got the code other than publish the review at this time you can't publish beforehand which is a different kind of embargo and i don't think anybody has an issue with that one but other than that we'll just sort of be mindful of spoilers in a very general sense they just left the critic up to making that own decision for themselves 
And that is because they had confidence in what they were doing. They had this complete confidence that the game was going to, to review well, that people are not going to have issues with the story. People aren't going to pull it apart on that basis. And, and that is that is it. I, I don't think Sony has confidence in the quality of its narratives, and that's why they restrict them. I don't think Marvel thinks that its games, of oh, its games, its films tell also good stories. Also its games, though. <laughs> also its games as well. But I don't think Marvel thinks it's telling good stories. I, I really don't think so. I think that Marvel thinks it's producing content out of a, out of a factory to appease fans. And their goal is to simply manufacture fans. And they do that by making sure that there is this unending hype machine. And that's it. They, they don't have a confidence in the stories. So th that's the other thing. Um, the, the spoiler culture that we have also limits the creative opportunities for developers or for, for publishers. And I've made tweets about this one as well. Um, you go back far enough, you go back to Shakespeare, he gave away the entire plot of Romeo and Juliet in the prologue. <laughs> like the prologue actually says, hey, the, you know, Romeo and Juliet, they're, they're in love and they're going to yeah, die. die <laughs> yeah. He actually says that. And if that was a video game, if that was a film that said, you know, the end boss is going to be this boss and you know, you're going to save the world, yippee, yippee ki -yay. Or if the Marvel film was like, yeah, Tony Stark's going to die. Um, if they did that, then they'd be right. So the, the, the actual creators aren't able to use foreshadowing as a technique because all of a sudden, everything you might foreshadow is a spoiler. But it's such an important literary technique. And one of the reasons Romeo and Juliet is such a resonant play is because people know what's going to happen at the start. And it's about watching how it all kind of plays out. Yeah, that's that. what I'm saying. Like, it's that idea of the actual plot points aren't interesting. It's the development towards that exactly, plot point. Exactly, exactly. So it, it really sucks that modern artists can't do what they might want to do with their stories. It sucks that journalists and people and critics and people that want to talk about these games or films can't talk about them the way they might want to. The only people this stuff doesn't suck for is the CEOs that manage these companies because... They have the money rolling in. By the time anybody knows that there's issues with Horizon or Marvel or whatever, they've already made their money from the day one sales and whatever. So, yeah, I, I just wish people were more aware of why spoiler, why spoilers are a thing and, um, yeah, responded that way. That's my rant. Uh, they won't. They won't. They won't. No, of course <laughs> no. not. Nobody actually learns anything in this industry, but it would be nice if they did. No, it's not going to happen. The thing is, it's like, we oh god i'm gonna joke on myself we live in a society um <laughs> that profits off of this exclusionary culture and what we've essentially done is commodified fomo yep and it's bullshit and no one i don't i don't care i do not care i really don't care the thing that gets me is like in in any situation if i'm watching a movie i'm kind of already like I kind of already know what's going to happen. Like, it's not going to be that shocking. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've watched a movie recently. I've been watching a lot of rom-coms, which is probably why. <laughs> but in no situation am I ever challenged with anything that's actually worth being like, oh, well done. It's always just, yeah, that's that's the rom-com. Oh, they're doing long distance. Oh, it's going to be hard. Who's going to break up? They're going to get back together, though, because true love it's like that sort of thing. And they got a happy airport scene. They're going to run to each other. They're going to kiss. And then it's going to be great. 
yeah it's just love actually um but yeah like i i just don't see any interest in the idea of being like oh you can't spoil this who cares if you don't want to fucking watch it then don't watch it if you don't want to read it then don't read it if you're already that set on watching a movie or something don't read reviews just go see the movie because well, you yeah, just prefer seeing the movie than reading the reviews. <laughs> that's that's exactly it because that's the other thing that really annoys me. And you, that's a really good point, Alan, that people need to take it on themselves not to be spoiled. If you don't want to have the ending of Marvel ruined, um, then or ruined, whatever you want to call it, then just stay off social media for a day. You know, um, I got I got crazy yelled at. Um, with the first, um, the first of the end game. What's the first one? Uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. I got yelled at crazy at time for Infinity War because I made a tweet and I said, oh, Thanos dies. I hadn't seen the film yet. I just knew that that's going to happen because like by the end of the two film plot arc, I, I, the, the second film wasn't even You're out telling me, you mean to tell me, Matt, the, the good guys are going to win them all. That's exactly it. I, that's all I did. I did that that tweet in that context, and people just went ballistic at me for, for spoiling the two films. Oh, and I'm like... How, you, how did you wake up the next morning, dude? That's and I'm like, horrendous. This, this is the problem with these things. And if you really don't want to be spoiled on this stuff, just take it on yourself to to not watch, you know, or not follow the news and, and just... Because... Other people see this stuff. They want to talk about it. If I'm playing a game like Elden Ring, I want to talk about Elden Ring. And while I'm happy to agree to the review embargo time, because that's fair for everybody, um, once that's up, I just want to talk about it. Like we've been talking about it here. You know, I'll, I'll, if there's a particular boss battle I want to talk about or there's a plot point, I just want to talk about it. And it's up to you, not me, to moderate whether you want to experience that. If you don't want spoilers, then... Yeah, Just like stay uh, punch away. a beehive and see what happens. <laughs> do, do people talk about games anymore? Like we used to talk about games. If, you know what I mean? Like ev- ev- everyone's all about this, like spoiler culture and stuff like that. Like you know, like kids in the playground and stuff like that would be like, "Hi, I was playing, you know, this game the other day. It was so cool. I beat this boss. Like you know, killed this and this and this." Like, do people talk like that anymore? Like, is that gone now? No, because, because of... kids nowadays don't play games with story. They play. They just play the sport. They just play Fortnite. Yeah, I play Fortnite. Look at this dance I learned. <laughs> Yeah, that's spoiler. Like, spoiler, yeah, dude, you can't spoil the dance. The, They're gonna get sued for that the, later. <laughs> I didn't know the dance right. was in there. I, I'm gonna actually go back to another point. Is um, when we were talking about like you know games and, like and movies when we were spoiling them. A lot of the times, you know, I say you know, oh, I really love playing games with the internet. Like a new game's out, I'm playing it with the internet. It's all about you know reaching the you know the plot points and stuff with the internet because then the internet spoils it or releases it themselves and they're like oh we just did this and then you see a bunch of screenshots posted up and then you post some screenshots from the game yourself but that initial time it seems that the people are more oh you spoiled this it has to be as everyone else is collectively experiencing it and then once that initial you know game or movie or whatever's being played then after that, it seems like it's more free throw in terms of, oh, you spoiled that, who cares sort of thing. It's like not as critical for the next group of people coming in that there's spoilers out there. Um, it's like, you know, we're talking about, you know, things like all those movies we reference. We were just like jokingly, openly saying, you know, spoilers from them. And, you know, no one cares because that you don't 
need to care. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter who gives a shit. <laughs> Go outside and touch grass, you freaks. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's kind of the that's kind of the point because even the original Star Wars trilogy, there are people who have not seen it yet. Um, I've I, not seen episode two still all the way through because I always fall asleep. So no, I'm not ta- not talking about the uh, one, two, and three. I'm talking about four, five, and six, the original Star Wars oh, films. Right. There are people that still haven't seen those, and I know, for example, I once worked with a guy who was deliberately not watching them because he wanted to watch them with his son when they were older and you know able to to enjoy that's low-key very sweet though it is very sweet it was very very sweet and he had never seen star wars and he was looking forward to watching it with his kid and um he so technically you could still spoil not technically you could still spoil the film for him in the sense that you could say hey you know darth vader is luke's son maybe some people out there weren't aware of that beforehand and all of a sudden they are so does that, if we are going to continue down this path of spoiler culture, does that mean we can never talk about a film because at some stage you're going to bump into somebody who hasn't seen that film? Uh, when does the, the statute of limitations expire for spoilers? When can you actually start to talk about them? And it's just, it's just such a ridiculous thing that I just wish that people weren't so hung up about it. It's on you to avoid spoilers and everybody else can talk about the thing that they want to talk about that's my just opinion. be normal just go outside seriously yeah, touch, <laughs> touch touch grass literally just just go <laughs> have fun find joy in this world it's clear you don't have it god damn it makes me so it's so stupid dude except except sport results don't ruin those yeah but even then like i mean like if you're if you've not watched the match and it's the next day like come <clears> on <throat> Well, that, that, that's the thing, like, as a good example, I really enjoy the figure skating during the Winter Olympics, but I was busy one day, so I, I missed one of the rounds. Um, rather than tell everybody not to talk about the results, and funnily enough, I do have enough people that I follow or news sources that do talk about these things, I just didn't click on the headlines, and I... And I, I just kind of muted. Yeah, what you do is you mute the phrase and also expect the fact that you are not the protagonist in this world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't expect everybody else not to talk about the vigor skating because I haven't seen it yet. And then I watched it on replay and I got to enjoy it and it was great. But I put that on myself to avoid the spoilers of the results. It's, this is now getting into political things, but it's a very American-centric sort of neolib view of the self. <laughs> and it annoys me. It annoys me so much because it's just like this idea that I am the only one that matters in my world. I get to make the choices about what I see. Everyone else is out to get me sort of shit. And it's well, just it's, still- it's, it's kind of related to those, that article. I don't know if you saw it, Alan. The article about the person God. who said, I'm not going to take my shoes off when I go into someone's house. Oh, God, crime, actual <laughs> jail, actual jail, into the bin. Because there was there was an article that somebody wrote and it went the viral because of course it it was a stupid thing to write. God, but they it was said so infuriating. They said I'm not going to take my shoes off when I go into your house because and, I don't and then know you'd if have you're a group of Americans which are on the opposite side, which are equally as passionate, saying I'm like I'm you know you need to do this, and it's like have any of you actually talked to anyone where this culture is prevalent and actually a thing, or is this actually like if you don't actually take your shoes off, is this like 
uh, like a big deal or something like that. You're just making it out to be a big deal. Like, but I mean, the the, the point was that this person clearly felt that they had a right to be an imposition on somebody else. <clears throat> and that's kind of the same with spoilers. People feel like they have a right to tell other people they can't talk about the thing that they want to talk about because you have to be worried about them. And there was another good, <clears throat> excuse me. There was another really good example that went viral not too far before that, which shows it wasn't just the Americans, Australians also do it as well. Um, somebody said, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact headline, but to, to paraphrase, they said, you've got to give up board games because I don't like Oh, this them. owned. Yeah, this owned. I loved that. How, that how, how dare you enjoy board games around me? You've got to stop talking about them. You've got to stop. You've got to get over your obsession. It's like, you, you don't yeah, have my obsession a... of having fun with my friends. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, <laughs> I'm you... such a dog. Oh, I'm a great tweet. You don't have to go around to your friend's house if they're playing board games. <laughs> I'm shocked you even have friends, to be quite honest. <laughs> but this is the thing. Over and over again, we're getting this thing through our culture where people feel like they have a right to be the imposition and everybody else has to just allow them to do that. And it's like, well, no, fuck off. Literally, just go get out of my zone. I'm done with you. I, I, I wish because we are losing our ability to care and empathize with other people that we are all about the self. I wish it wouldn't. Because people me. are losers. I wish it wouldn't cost me cost me future review codes if if I ignored the spoilers because I really do feel like at some stage I'm going to crack and just spoil the whole fucking thing in a game can um, you do a can you do a review of like a pinball game and spoil that please <laughs> well i was actually genuinely tempted to do it with with horizon because that there's stuff i need to talk about with that game i don't know when i'll get in trouble to do so so but if i did that if i went and spoiled all of horizon um because i wanted to analyze the plot heaven forbid uh, i wouldn't have got <laughs> the gt7 code or yeah, I, I'd be blacklisted by Sony, and that'd be it. I get to play that trick once with each publisher, and with Sony, you can't really play that trick. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you get to play you, you get to play the trick once, and once you do that, that's it. Once you get blacklisted, you never get back on again. So you got to pick the right time for it, and it's it's just one of those battles that, as a critic, it's very hard to to fight. Um, yeah. When when do I when do I pick that moment? I did with Activision, you know, I've got myself blacklisted with Activision. By I'm so sorry that you can all by shucks, dude. By saying what it was with uh, with Call of Duty, uh, I, I did get myself in trouble for that one once. But um, yeah. That is the least surprising thing that I've ever heard in my life. That made that made <laughs> that made getting Sekiro very difficult, you know, and Sekiro oh, was a game shit, that of I needed to cover. And Sekiro was a game that we needed to cover at digitydownloaded.net. So it is just one of those things. We're stuck as critics. We can't push back on any of this. And they know that. <laughs> the publishers absolutely know that they've got all the, the power here because they've got the community behind them. As you would know, if you did not like a Sony game enough, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, Alan, but uh, there's a guy that, the Aussie guy gave uh, Horizon 6.5 out of Oh, yeah, 10. push start. Yeah. yeah. No, not push start, Survivor. Oh, it was a Survivor. Yeah, no, Push Start gave it 10 out of 10. Uh, Survivor gave it 6.5 out of 10, Job. And um, he has had 
people on his timeline ever since. <laughs> this is like normal dude shit, in all honesty. Just like, hell yeah, brother. Just go off at this like reviewer who is not paid enough. <laughs> like you showed, you showed society. Get get him. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hate How people. How dare you hate the thing I like? <laughs> I'm so angry. Like I just I. Ugh. I was <laughs> I was I was holding my breath for when somebody writes. Well, at, at some stage, somebody's going to write a negative re- review of Elden Ring, and oh, that's not going to go well for them. That is not going to go well for them. Primarily because they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to be one of the people in their feed. Yeah, I'm now that guy. Yeah, it's me. I, I, I will play it. I will analyze it. I will say that everything is horrible because it's a bad game and I can't play it and it's too hard. That that will be my review. Zero out of ten. Damn. Done. All right. Well, Trent, I'm gonna I'm gonna abuse you. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna call you words that you'll never hear again, like ding dong. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you. <laughs> God, I hate gamers. Ah, uh, just. Oh, this is so hostile. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is very, very hostile. <laughs> it's just, oh, it just annoys me. Ugh. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, well, right. it's, well, well, it's the podcast. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you got all the way to the end of that, um, yeah, it was great to have you on the the podcast, Alan and Trent. As always, good, yeah. to, good chatting. Good chatting. Uh, do let us know your thoughts if you tune in and um play elden ring i guess yeah just play elden ring play elden ring oh don't play elden ring play a good game like elden ring